It's time for a bedtime story. Today's bedtime story is Mincemeat and the Incredible Train Ride by Lois Davis. Meet Mincemeat, a kind, devoted and human-sized ginger cat who lives with great-grandma in the village of How Do You Do? Mincemeat loves sewing, dancing and his motorbike, but not as much as he loves baking. He and great-grandma embark on all kinds of crazy adventures, like their journey to visit Aunt Petunia. Zane is a locomotive with a secret dream, to become an express train. When he makes that dream a reality, can't his driver, Berkeley Butterfingers, do anything to avert a catastrophe? Hello everybody, I'm Lois Davis and I'm delighted to read my story to you which is part of my Mincemeat's World of Adventures and this one, the first in the series, is Mincemeat and the Incredible Train Ride. The notice at Candy Floss Central Station was written in bold letters. Mr Clarence Clippett, Station Master, Candy Floss Central. Mr. Clippet had twinkly eyes and a moustache that looked like a brush. As well as being the station master, he would board the trains, passing through the carriages, checking and clipping tickets, as his name suggested. Candy Floss Central was the main station at the end of the line, the terminus, where all trains began and ended their journeys. It was a grand looking station with a magnificent glass roof and six separate platforms outside the main concourse. Zane, whose home was one of the long train sheds at Candy Floss Central, was the youngest locomotive in the fleet and a very handsome looking train. He hauled masses of carriages behind his colossal black engine. His carriages were painted bright red with the Candy Floss Central Railway Company, written in gold lettering on every carriage door. The carriage seats were made from ancient beach, polished to gleaming. It was easy to spot Zane's driver, Barclay Butterfingers, for he invariably had an oily rag in his hand or stuffed in the top left-hand pocket of his equally oily overalls. Barclay Butterfingers loved his job. Even when Barclay had a day off, he would spend it in the train shed polishing the carriages, causing Zane to heave a satisfied sigh. Zane enjoyed carrying the passengers to all the stations along the route and knew each station well. He was a very contented train, but he had a dream to be an express train. Great Grandma returned from the village to find conkers by her front door. There were conkers going up the stairs and conkers in the sitting room. In the kitchen, there were conkers on top of the cupboards. What are all these conkers doing around the cottage, Mincemeat? I thought they were for your cake. 
mincemeat was great-grandma's cheerfully chubby, baking-mad ginger cat. Oh no, great-grandma, the sweet chestnuts are for my cake, he said, pointing to the oven where the cake was baking. He'd collected the chestnuts from the sweet chestnut tree in the cottage garden that morning. At the same time, he'd collected conkers from the horse chestnut tree, taking extra care to ensure that he didn't get the two mixed up. Conkers are poisonous if you eat them. I made small holes in each conker to keep the spiders away, as they don't like the smell. You know I don't like spiders, especially the ones with the long, tickly legs. You're really very clever, Mincemeat. I've learned something new today. Great Grandma and Mincemeat were going to visit Great Grandma's Aunt Petunia, who lived in the countryside at Fieldmouse Meadows. And so Mincemeat was busy organising a scrumptious picnic to take with them. He'd inherited his love of baking from his grandma Twinkle, who now lived in Flossie Feline's old age home for cats. As she was too old to bake and sew anymore, she'd given Mincemeat her precious recipe book, as well as her sewing machine. Mincemeat loved sewing almost as much as he loved baking. He always wore his I love cooking apron whenever he was busy baking in the kitchen. As the cake baked in the oven, a buttery caramel smell wafted up Mincemeat's nose. The radio was playing one of his favourite tunes. Closing his eyes and with outstretched paws, he swayed to the music while breathing in the luscious smell. A timer on the oven pinged, awakening him from his daydream. He put on his oven gloves and carefully lifted the cake out of the oven, setting it on a wire rack. While he waited for the cake to cool, mincemeat fried dandelions and nettles until they were extremely crispy, one of great grandma's favorites, and mashed up some mackerel for himself. When the cooking was done, mincemeat packed everything into a wicker picnic basket on top of a red checked cloth. The following morning, before they left for the station, he packed the final items. Some cheese-flavoured chocolate for great-grandma, a bottle of Cherryade, and finally, a bottle of cat milk. Although he loved cheese, Mincemeat knew he must never eat chocolate. It could make him very ill indeed. Mincemeat handed great-grandma her crush helmet before helping her climb into the side part of his motorbike giving her the picnic basket to hold. After putting on his own crash helmet and black biker suit, he jumped onto the driver's seat and revved up the engine. The nearest station to the village of How Do You Do, where great-grandma and mincemeat lived, was Muddlewitch. It was called Muddlewitch because everything at the station was so muddled up. To buy your ticket, you had to climb a ladder as the station office was on the roof of the station. The waiting room is outside the station in the bus stop. The pointed hands on the large faced clock on the main concourse often got stuck, ensuring passengers ran all over the place thinking they had missed their trains. When it got to six o'clock, the hands of the clock whizzed round and round so fast that nobody could tell the time at all. When they got to Muddlewitch Station, Mincemeat parked up in the bike bay. 
he found a seat for great grandma in the waiting room in the bus stop and then went to buy the tickets, climbing the ladder to the ticket office and waiting his turn. The train was leaving Candy Floss Central at exactly 8.52 a.m. The first stop would be Muddlewitch at half past nine. Approaching the ticket booth, he said, two tickets to Field Mouse Meadows, please. It was the last stop on the line. At half past eight in the morning, Candy Floss Central was busy and noisy. People bustled this way and that, passing each other as they went in opposite directions, running for trains, grabbing a newspaper from the kiosk and hurriedly paying the vendor. Those passengers catching the 8.52 at platform five were now dashing down the platform to get on board the train. Clarence Clippett blew hard on his whistle, a sharp shrill note over the din of the station. Everybody on board now, please, everybody on board. Feeling the last of the passengers hurriedly board the train, Zane felt a tingle of excitement as the journey was about to begin. Clarence jumped into the driver's cab next to Barclay and then leant out of the window to look down the platform one last time, making sure all the train doors were shut. Barclay started up the engine. Zane moved slowly along the platform and out of the station into the sunshine of a bright, warm day, his engine making a soothing chugga-chugga sound, his wheels a clickety-clack rhythmic beat on the track. Zane arrived at Muddlewitch at half past nine precisely. As he came to a halt, passengers began opening doors and stepping down from the train, while the people on the platform who were, wait who were waiting to get on stood aside. Holding out his great furry paw, Mincemeat helped great-grandma onto the train before climbing on board himself. They found two seats by the window and settled themselves down, sitting opposite each other. Great-grandma loved looking out at the passing countryside during the journey. After springing down from the driver's cab, Clarence Clippett strode up and down the platform, making sure that all the doors were closed before they left Muddlewitch. He gave another sharp blast on his whistle, ran back to the front of the train and hopped on board next to Barclay. Zane glided out of the station. It was a beautiful day. As they chugged through the countryside, they passed fields and farms. Hedges ran in between the fields, dividing them. There were cows and sheep grazing peacefully. Three horses stood in the, in the shade of a clump of trees near to the track looking decidedly sleepy. Further along the journey, a farmer was out in his red tractor, working to gather hay for the cattle for the coming winter months. As the enormous tires drove the tractor forwards, the hay baler trailing behind collected the hay, spitting out a round bale. When it was too cold to stay outside, the cattle would come in from the fields and live cosily in the barns, feeding on the hay until spring. The sheep, though, would stay outdoors, their thick woolly coats keeping them warm and dry from rain and snow. The next station was Lilac Hill. Everywhere you looked, there were hundreds and hundreds of pale violet lilacs. They were in hanging baskets along the platform, and the rooftop of the ticket office was covered in lilacs too. 
The flower stall on the platform sold nothing but lilacs. Mincemeat had never seen anything like it. Suddenly, he had an idea. He would buy a bunch of lilacs for great grandma. He leapt up from his seat and dashed off the train, pushing the door with such force that it slammed behind him, muffling great grandma as she called out, jumping jack calls mincemeat, where are you going? He ran over to the flower store and picked up the biggest bunch of lilacs he could find, scrabbling about in his purse for the right money. Clarence Clippet hadn't seen mincemeat leap from the train. As all the doors were shut, Clarence blew his whistle and jumped into the driver's cab next to Barclay. Zane began moving along the platform and out of the station. On hearing the whistle, Mincemeat turned around to get back on the train, but it was too late. Great Grandma was bouncing up and down, banging on the window. Mincemeat, Mincemeat, she cried. Clarence and Barclay hadn't noticed Mincemeat at all or seen that he was now running faster and faster with a bunch of flowers trying to catch the train. Wait for me, wait for me, shouted Mincemeat, bolting down the platform as hard as he could. Just as the last carriage of the train was coming towards the end of the platform, Clarence thought he heard shouting. Apply the brakes, Barclay, he ordered. I can hear someone in trouble. By this time, Mincemeat was bent over, his paws on his knees, gasping for breath. His fur had fluffed out in all directions. Barclay slammed on the brakes, the train screeching to a stop. Clarence Clippet ran back through the carriages. Mr. Clippet, is Mincemeat all right? Yes, don't worry, great grandma, can't stop now though. The last carriage wasn't completely out of the station. Bounding off the train, Clarence rushed over to Mincemeat and put his arm around him. Mincemeat took a few moments to catch his breath. Oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Clippet. I never meant to cause all this upset. It's just that I really wanted to buy a bunch of lilacs for great grandma. The lilacs by this time were looking rather sad and flocky. Don't you worry, Mincemeat. You are being generous and thoughtful. Sit here on the bench while I go into the station office and get you a glass of water. A moment later, Clarence came back with the water and Mincemeat downed it thirstily. Which carriage were you sitting in, asked Clarence. Carriage number three, I think. Barclay was leaning out the window of his driver's cab, looking down the platform. Reverse the train, please, Barclay, yelled Clarence. We need carriage number three up here. Barclay pulled the big gear lever into reverse and Zane moved slowly backwards down the platform. Clarence helped the exhausted mincemeat up and into the carriage. Great Grandma was still standing by the window. Don't be upset with him, great grandma. Mincemeat was being so thoughtful. Oh, I could never be upset with Mincemeat. He's far too lovely for that. Putting her arm around Mincemeat, she took the sad looking lilacs from him. Thank you, Mincemeat. It was so sweet of you. You sit down and enjoy, and enjoy the rest of the journey. I'm just glad you are safe. Clarence's voice sounded over the tannoy. Next station, Bumblebee Bridge, Bumblebee Bridge, next station. Passengers began gathering their belongings together. Mincemeat had fallen asleep after his adventure and he awoke feeling rather hungry. Great Grandma opened the picnic basket. 
The train journey took them part way along the coast, Zane traveling on the track high above the sea. The views were wonderful and they could see a boat coming into the harbor at Popcorn Cove. The picnic lasted until they slowed into Popcorn Cove station. As the carriage door opened, a whole family of seagulls elbowed their way in. Chatting noisily, they tried to decide where to sit, pushing and shoving each other. One of the baby seagulls spotted the remains of the picnic. Without asking, he snatched the last fried dandelion and gobbled it down greedily. His mother was cross. Cedric, you naughty boy, you don't just help yourself to other people's food, and especially without asking, too late now, you've eaten it. You apologise now to the lady and her lovely cat. Cedric hung his head. I'm sorry. Good boy. Now, all of you, come and sit down nicely. No more pushing and shoving, and certainly no squawking. They all did as they were told, sitting in a row, looking out of the window until they got to the next station, Frog's Leap, where they all got off and waddled down the platform. As Zane was coming back down the track, away from the sea, he decided it was now or never to turn himself into an express train. Barclay was steering him as usual when Zane unexpectedly accelerated. He sped under bridges, whizzing past fields, going so fast the trees along the side of the track blew furiously about. Barclay couldn't stop him. Zane was having so much fun he was laughing. The passengers couldn't believe what was happening as the countryside shot past the windows. Great-great-grandma thought it was wonderful. Oh, how positively exciting! Mincemeat's fur was blowing flat against his face from the force of the wind coming in through the open window. Barkley was trying to slow Zane down, but Zane was having far too much fun for that. He went faster than ever. He raced past a lake the swans on the lake stopping and staring at the express train, for they couldn't believe their eyes. Clarence's voice boomed over the tannoy. Next station, Hampster Heights! Hampster Heights next station! Zane, will you please slow down at once? But Zane didn't. He hurtled right through the station. On and on he flew, laughing all the way. By now, people had heard about the express train and they were coming out of their houses and rushing onto the bridges above the railway track to see the runaway train. Farmers stopped what they were doing and ran to the edges of their fields to have a look. But the policeman from the nearby village of Willow Green was waiting with his bicycle to go over the railway crossing safely. He was standing by the barrier when Zane thundered through. Zane must have been going 100 miles an hour. Dancing dormice, Bert exclaimed. Whatever is going on? He knew Zane and Barclay well and would usually wave to them as he waited across the track, but today he just stood there open-mouthed. On board the train, great-grandma still thought it was all very exciting. Mincemeat wasn't so sure. Zane thought it was very funny and was laughing harder than ever. Whatever are we to do, Mr. Clippet? asked Barclay. Clarence looked serious. He scratched his head as he thought. There is only one thing we can do, Barclay. I'll have to pull the emergency cord. The next station was Duckling Down. When Clarence saw the station coming into view, he yanked hard on the emergency cord. Zane's wheels made the 
greatest screeching sound as he came to an abrupt stop alongside the platform. By this time, Zane was quite out of breath and he knew he was in trouble. Barclay and Clarence Clippett got down from the driver's cab. Whatever do you think you are doing, said Barclay to Zane crossly. My passengers have missed their stop at Hampster Heights. Zane was panting, trying to catch his breath. Well, barked Clarence, what have you got to say for yourself? Zane coughed and said in a very deep, sorrowful voice, all I wanted was to be an express train. Well, you certainly were, said Clarence. If you were bored, Zane, you should have told Barclay and you could have talked about it. Maybe we could have changed the route to make it more interesting for you. I'm sure we could have sorted something out. I'm sorry, said Zane. I never meant to cause trouble. Honestly, I didn't. Clarence could see that the train was truly sorry. Teardrops welled up in Zane's eyes. Clarence took out his big white handkerchief from his waistcoat pocket and dried Zane's eyes. Don't cry, said Clarence, but if you ever have a problem or you feel unhappy, please remember, it's always best to talk about it. After such an adventure, Zane was tired, so he rested at Duckling Down before continuing the journey. As the passengers settled back down, they were all chattering about what had happened. Clarence passed through the carriages. Tickets, please. Tickets, please. Any more tickets now? I'm so sorry. Some of you missed your stop at Hampster Heights. No one seemed to mind at all, saying they had really enjoyed the ride. The next stop was Marshmallow Ridge. Everything here was made of marshmallows. The ticket office, the waiting room, the benches on the platform too, which were soft and springy. There was a sweet shop on the platform that only sold marshmallows, of course. I'd love a bag of marshmallows, thought Mincemeat. A little boy got on the train with his, with his mother and came and sat right next to Mincemeat. The little boy was clutching a paper bag full to the top with marshmallows. Silently stretching out his arm, he offered the bag to Mincemeat. Thank you, said Mincemeat. That's so kind of you. Marshmallows are my favourites. But I once choked on a marshmallow, so I'm not allowed them anymore. Zane chugged through the open countryside until they approached Sweet Cord Central. Next station, Sweet Corn Central, Sweet Corn Central, next station. Not many passengers got on at Sweet Corn Central as the station after that was Field Mouse Meadows, the last stop on the line. Mincemeat settled down to read a new cookery book. Great Grandma fell fast asleep. Zane was exhausted. He pulled into the station platform at Field Mouse Meadows slowly, coming to a stop with a gentle jolt. Clarence decided that as Zane was so weary, he should spend the night there in the train shed, returning to Candy Floss Central the next morning. Great Grandma woke up as Clarence made his final announcement over the tannoy. Last stop, Field Mouse Meadows, he said. Field Mouse Meadows now, last stop. Please make sure you have all your belongings with you. I would like to thank you all for traveling with the Candy Floss Central Railway Company and hope you've enjoyed your journey. 
especially all the excitement today. Mincemeat put his cookery book away in the picnic basket. Clutching the basket, he stepped down onto the platform and then helped great-grandma to get off the train. Aunt Petunia was waiting in her beautiful car outside the station to meet them. The car was made from a huge old pumpkin and had purple curtains at the windows. Great-grandma got in beside Aunt Petunia and Mincemeat sat with the wicker basket on his knees at the back. The old pumpkin car rattled along country lanes. Great-grandma and Aunt Petunia chatted away while Mincemeat enjoyed the scenery. Soon enough, they arrived at Aunt Petunia's cottage in Lupin Lane. While Aunt Petunia made a pot of tea, Mincemeat lifted out the red check cloth from the picnic basket and carefully unwrapped the chestnut cake he'd made the day before. He placed it on a tray and carried it through to the garden where they had tea while sitting in the sunshine. Now then, do you have any interesting news, inquired Aunt Petunia. Great-grandma chuckled. Oh, indeed we have, don't we, Mincemeat? Aunt Petunia could hardly believe her ears. My goodness me, she said after hearing the story. What an exciting day! They all agreed it had been a most exciting day. So that was Mincemeat and the incredible train ride by Lois Davis. And Lois joins us today. So welcome, Lois. Hello, Karen. Thank you so much for having me. That's such a great story. And you read it so beautiful, full of enthusiasm. So well done. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you've been writing for many years now. So what first got you into writing? My son and his family going to live in Brazil in 2013. Wow. My daughter. My daughter-in-law is Brazilian. Their twins were eight months old. I decided to turn heartbreak into something positive and began writing letters to them Aww. for them to store in the memory box I had sent them off with. Oh, how lovely. Yeah, and my mum was poorly at the time, so I was relaying family news. And the realisation hit me that I could write children's fiction. How nice. That's really lovely. So are they still in Brazil now? No, thank goodness they came back. Oh. Um, I think it'll be three years this May they came back, which is not, they're, they're in London, oh, which, lovely. you know, I'm on the south coast in Dorset, but that's like our backyard yeah. to Brazil. Uh, definitely. <laughs> it's a lot nearer, isn't it? So you've also published several other books over the years. So tell us more. Tell us more about these lovely books. Okay, so yes, my first book of five stories was published in 2014, my second in 2017, and my third in January 2019. After my mum passed in May 2019, I had a dreadful year. At the end of 2019, I was at a crossroads. Ditch it or make something of the talent I had been given by my dad. I decided to take my destiny into my own hands and started my own company in January 2020, the Fish Face Publishing Company. Mm -hmm. So was your dad a writer as well then, Lois? He told stories when we were little and he never wrote anything down. Aww. But there's a, there's a creative streak because he could draw and his brother, my uncle, um, was in a band um, many years ago. So 
there's a creative streak but dad never wrote anything down so I've done it for him <laughs> so did you so you obviously got your inspiration from your father as well but where else do you get your lovely inspiration from from the world around me I'm very observant and I'm very fortunate to be living in a beautiful part of the world so where, yeah. whereabouts in Dorset are you we're in Bournemouth and it's absolutely lovely. gorgeous yeah absolutely gorgeous so um yeah, so it was very exciting for me starting my own company. My husband backed me. My son rebranded for me. Wow. My two, my two main characters switched places. And Mincemeat World of Adventures was born. And my illustrator advised bringing great-grandma into the 21st century. And the rest, <laughs> they say, is, the rest as they say, is history. So do you keep cats yourself? Because obviously Mincemeat is beautiful big cat. You don't have cats. No, in fact, it's really odd and I still can't quite work it out because we've always had dogs. I haven't got a dog at the moment. But I think it was when I was little, there was a book I adored called Carbonell about a, a cat, a broomstick and a little girl. And I loved that book. I think something just stayed maybe in my psyche. I don't know. But yeah, my son said to me, where did mincemeat come from? And I said, he just appeared on the page, literally. And the <laughs> name didn't even think about the name. It was just typed. It was yeah. almost like someone else was doing it was really strange yeah oh. so what are so, you working on at the moment is any any future um titles yeah. coming out i've got enough material Karen, for the next six years wow uh, because i knew the day would come i thought it would be a publisher that would say i never wanted a publisher to say to me what have you got next and i had nothing so i kept writing and writing and writing i, I never knew it would be me that would be the publishing person so yes I've got enough at two books a year for the next six years so the next one is Mincemeat and the Unexpected Visitor out at the end of April and then there'll be one for Christmas which is Mincemeat and the Magical Igloo so oh, God, yeah that should, can't wait should for those oh that should hopefully be the end of October so yeah so it's very exciting very time. exciting yeah oh it's been it's been lovely talking to you Lois so for our listeners if anybody wants to buy the book or has any questions about mincemeat and the incredible train ride how can they get in touch with you please visit my website which is www.fishfacepublishing.com where you can ask any questions via the contact page I answer and publish everyone on my Ask Lois page and both Facebook and Instagram links are on my website too. And there is a link to buy on my books page on my website. Fabulous. Oh, well, I wish you all the best with your thank future you. titles. Oh, thank you. And I hope to work with you again soon. Oh, I hope so on the next one. And thank you so much. It's just been gorgeous. <laughs> so thank you, Karen. Bedtime Stories is sponsored by Team Author UK, independent publishers. If you have a fabulous story to tell, get in touch as they excel at helping writers just like you. Visit their website at www.teamauthoruk.co.uk or on their social media platforms at Team Author UK.